Hello everyone and welcome to Synesthesia, a podcast about the creatives who shape the aesthetics of music. We chat to the artists behind the record sleeves, videos, photo shoots and stylings of the freshest new sounds, exploring how contemporary culture, fashion, illustration and design reflect and enhance the musical experience. Music has always been our passion and remains an integral part of our lives. That's why we decided to put together this podcast, which we called Synesthesia, because we perceive music not only with our ears, but also with our eyes. Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Synesthesia, actually the last episode of the year. Today tuning in from Bloomington, Indiana is Aaron Lowell Denton, an artist and designer whose distinctive retro-infused visual artworks have gained a significant reputation in the contemporary music industry after he collaborated with artists like Tame Impala, The Vendra, The War on Drugs and most recently Kruangbin, designing the cover of their latest EP, Texas Sun. Today, he joins us to talk about this piece of work and for a broader chat about his main cultural, musical and aesthetic influences, because that's what Synesthesia is about, isn't it? Hi, Aaron. Welcome to Synesthesia. How are you? Hey, Enrico. I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, I am super excited. We are recording this last episode of the year together. Are you ready for going back in time a little? Yeah. I remember that the first time I bumped into one of your posters, it was about 2018. And I think I was strolling in London, Soho, when I glanced at your poster for the Unknown Mortal Orchestra gig at the Royal Carbert Hall. And I was like, wow, that's cool. So this happened only two years ago, which means that either I was really late to the party or you must be quite new to the field and by field I mean creatives and visual artists working with musicians. So how long have you been in this industry? Yeah I'm new to it. I have been doing it full-time as like my you know work for two years now. I, I, I went full-time with it um, in 2018 so in January 2018 but I've been doing it since about 2016 but I didn't really take it seriously until probably like halfway through 2017 or so. So I can't say that I was late to the party since I noticed you in 2018. I'd say you were quite early. Yeah. So you said that you started working in the industry around 2015, 2016. How did you end up specializing in this field? Well, on it or was it accidental? It was accidental. <laughs> working in the industry kind of feels like a bit more grandiose than, than the reality, uh, which was I was uh, playing music and I really wanted to play music for a living. Like that, that's always kind of been my goal. And um, I was just doing it a lot and I was touring, uh, doing like a, a lot of DIY touring and like booking shows and stuff. And, you know, part of that is promoting local shows and promoting your own band's, you know, flyers and like like layout work and artwork, like, you know, and we, we didn't really have any money to allocate to, you know, professionals or anything like that. So I would do all that stuff myself. What were you playing? What was the name of the band and which kind of genre were you into? I have a band called Spissy and I play guitar in that band live and I, me and, and one other guy named Ben Lumsdane are the band and then we have like a five-piece band that we play with live um, to kind of realize the recordings. We play a lot of 
you know, we have kind of a, the full sound between the two of us. So I'm really into like analog synthesizers and play bass and guitar and, you know, like write a lot of that stuff. So, so you were doing the flyers, posters, merch for your own band. And then what happened? Whenever my band would open up for a bigger band at the local venue in town, there's like, there's two venues in town. It's a pretty small town. And whenever I would do that, I would kind of volunteer myself. You know, I would make an original poster for the show as opposed to just like using touring bands ad mat, I would like ask to make a poster for the show. And I started doing that. And then the promoter at that venue started like asking me to do posters for shows I wasn't playing. And then he started like paying me a little bit of money to do them occasionally for bigger shows. I guess that's kind of how that got started. Yeah, and then I started putting them on the internet and then one thing led to another. And Were you hand drawing them? Very DIY style, very fancy in rock and roll, super underground attitude, or were you already using softwares like Illustrator and Photoshop? I've always just been in Photoshop. Um, I've, I've always just made these things within yeah that world because the school that i went to indiana university um at the time i was going there you could download cs6 so after i graduated in 2013 i i had photoshop on my computer and i was able to like continue to use it to do layouts and and artwork and stuff like that so yeah i've always just been in the box so to speak uh, with design and art so you can describe yourself as a self-taught designer yeah i'm completely self-taught i mean i didn't study design in in school you measured in art history though which helps doesn't it i see the ways that it has informed my work more and more and i appreciate it more and more but definitely at the beginning i didn't i didn't make i didn't really see the connection um it's really only when i do things like this that i ever kind of like explicitly see the connection but yeah i think that i was able to develop a pretty keen sense of what i thought was good and bad because i got kind of snobby in school like studying art a lot and um, the premise of the whole degree is like look at a lot of art and and just like talk about what you like about it <laughs> so it's a lot of you begin to understand the nuances of you know aesthetics and and and, and the way trends and um visuals kind of repeat themselves in history which i think is useful i think more than anything it just helps me now be a bit more decisive a bit quicker than i think a lot of the work that I was focused on in school was conceptual sculpture and minimalism mainly. I've always been interested in art. I guess I just never thought I would become an artist. So I, I always thought I would just be on the critical side of it. I thought I would be writing, but yeah, here we are. <laughs> we'll be talking about the artists, the masters who have inspired you the most when we discuss about the cover of Texas Sun. Sure. Now I want to get to know more about your past. What kind of stuff did you geek on when you were a teenager and a college student? Yeah, I guess when I was a teenager, I was really into just kind of local northern Indiana, like hardcore and punk music. I was I was booking shows in my hometown, like at a coffee shop and kind of started booking like pretty early indie rock like regional indie rock bands from like Cincinnati and oh, like Ohio and Illinois and stuff like that. That was my world and as a teenager. And then also just like listening to bigger bands that I was attracted to like, like Radiohead and The Cure and bands that I, I knew about 
I don't know, just kind of a process of like learning about more and more like weirder bands, I guess. Um, kind of a gateway. These are the sounds that shape you. How about visuals? Were you an IVD comic reader or graphic novels? movies, characters? No, not not so much comic stuff. In the past couple of years, I've, I've gotten a little bit more into like underground comics and, and have like grown to appreciate them. But when I was like a teen and in my early 20s, I was really fascinated by like high art. <laughs> like I was, I was really fascinated by like things. I think I just liked things that confused me and like abstract expressionism kind of confused me and I I felt like it was pretty deep and I was like trying to like engage with deep things so I was really into like um Jasper Johns and um All Lorca and 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 those you know Deschamps like different um abstract expressionists and also I I was pretty into like Andy Warhol when I was a teenager like discovering that work and realizing like that this is also fine art was pretty exciting to me that was another like touchstone of my like youth i guess so aaron you represent an exception in the list of guests uh, i had uh, here uh, like uh, in synesthesia because uh, 99% of them comes from very, very big influential cities. And you are the only small town boy who decided to stay in a small town. How can you make it as a small town boy? And also, do you reckon your creative input is affected in a positive way by being less exposed, not considering the internet, of course, to trends and mainstream culture pressures? I, well, I don't know. I think that I've probably made it because I live in a small town. By that I mean, early on, I was, after college, I was like working odd jobs. I was, I was doing like carpentry and I was, I was a house painter for a while until I got fired. An actual house painter or a house painter like um, Robert De Niro in The Irishman? <laughs> Uh, an actual house painter. No, I didn't do any. Not a killer. Yeah, and I was, and then I started working at this restaurant. I did that job for like four or five years. And this is all just to say I could work at the restaurant like 20 hours a week and I could easily pay my bills, pay my rent, and still have enough money to like kind of do what I want. In that time, I started focusing on. Uh, really heavily on my band and and my band's image and like making posters and making album artwork for for my band and my friends bands i just kind of kept doing that and i kind of kept do just taking on the projects i wanted to take on and like really working hard at it and like trying to do it well because i just wanted to it was didn't really make any sense you know like i'd spend like eight or nine hours on a poster that i was getting paid like 30 bucks to make. What you're saying uh, is basically that the main advantage of living in a small town in America is that uh, being life less expensive, uh, you need to work less and you have more time to invest in your passion, in your side projects. And that's exactly how you grew as a designer. I think so, yeah. I mean, I definitely couldn't have done it working 60 hours a week in three different restaurants in New York City. Um, I couldn't have invested the time up front to get really comfortable with, with my style and with like the really complexity of um, some of these programs. But the, the, the main thing is it wasn't a strategy. I like living here. <laughs> I really like the Midwest. 
I really love Bloomington. I love being in Chicago and New York and LA. I love those places, but it just feels like home to me. And, you know, I was born in Indiana and I just, it's really in me and I, I feel comfortable. I feel like myself. I think the number one criteria for where you want to live ought to be the people. I think you should go to where there are people that you love. People should think a little less regionally about their careers. And I think they should think a bit more about like, you know, it's hard to do good work if you're like really unhappy. And I think it's like people that make you happy. So it's, if you have a community, that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter if you have like a cool coffee shop. What matters more is if you have like a community of people that you respect and love. So inspiration as an artist can come from, uh, especially from community. You don't need to have all the latest exhibitions uh, and movies and gigs. Those things are a real treat, but how much do you even do? I mean, my friends who live in New York tell me that it's impossible to make it to those things because it's like hard. <laughs> like life is so hard in those places. You know, it's hard to go to the grocery store. It's hard to like, uh, just do like your normal life stuff that it's like, how do you have the energy to like properly take in an, an art exhibit? Like when I go to the, to New York and I visit the Guggenheim, I'm like on vacation. I'm like, you know, I'm like a tourist. So it's easy for me to have the energy to really like appreciate and, and take in these things. But the experience of my friends who live in bigger cities, it's a lot like they're, they're kind of struggling and it just takes too much time to do. <laughs> I don't know. What do you yeah, think? I mean, I love, I appreciate your honesty. We're talking about real life here, real struggles of young creatives. And it's fair to say certain things. I mean, synesthesia is made in London. And as a Londoner, I experienced very similar issues. Generally speaking, I feel like London is uh, a little bit less uh, hectic than New York, okay. but still, it's hard to find uh, willpower, money, and energy to go to a gig uh, or visit uh, an exhibition after a very long day at work. So yes, I agree with you. Definitely those things are, are of so much value, but if I'm talking to like 21-year-old painter and it's like we have to talk about more than just like proximity to museums we have to talk about rent we have to talk about like bills like those things are, are very real and like if you want to give your craft the appropriate amount of time to like be a passionate thing I think you got to consider that and I would never tell someone to like move to Bloomington or someplace like Bloomington but I know a lot of people who've ended up back in places like this. It's just easier, you know? It's like, things still happen here. We have a great museum. We have two really great music venues. And I could just drive there in five minutes <laughs> and like comfortably see a show, comfortably see like a beautiful Stuart Davis painting uh, that I love and have a relationship with. And it's no problem, you know what I mean? Where, and it's, there's, 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 you gotta think that there's value. You know? So you are not lacking inspiration for sure in Bloomington, Indiana. No way. No way. Great. And talking about your craft inspiration, it's time to get to the core of our discussion because the reason why I invited you to Synesthesia is to primarily talk about the cover you designed for one of my favorite songs of the year, which is Texas Sun by Kurambin. First of all, is it snowing right now? in Indiana? It was snowing yesterday. Because we are uh, driving towards warmer territories, aren't we? I mean, uh, towards the Texas sun. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did you end up working with Crumbin? 
Did Laura Lee just fall in love with your designs and contacted you? I had done some work for Krimbin and I was contacted by Laura uh, for that work, which was, uh, I think I had done maybe two posters for them at this point. Yeah, I think that's kind of how it works in Krugman world. Laura is, I think she used to be a former art director or she, she worked in that world. So she's really good at, at visualizing music, which I've actually found is super, super rare with musicians. So it's, it's awesome working with her because either she lets you do whatever you want and then it's just like, yeah, cool. Or she has like a really concrete vision for what she's looking for, which was the case with Texas Sun. She's very much a hands-on, just as you said, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, and not even so much hands-on as like, well, a band of that size, it is a bit rare to be working like directly with one of the members. You know, typically it's it's through management or it's 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 through like a promoter or somebody like that. But Laura does work like directly. I mean, at least with me. So so that's that's a difference. But also she was just really good at like picking up on like what she wasn't liking about something. And and not only that, but but being able to suggest what to do from there, which is really rare. So you said in your latest interview with um, It's Nice That uh, that uh, you like the challenge of representing an idea or sound with concrete imagery. How do you relate to this uh, sunset uh, that you portrayed uh, in the cover for Texas Sun? Do those feelings of uh, warmth, nostalgia, saudade in Portuguese, uh, loneliness but also oneness with the universe uh, that only a sunny, rusty, dusty and sweaty drive across rural Texas can give you, do you relate to these feelings? Wow, yeah, I relate to them. But I think it's so amazing to hear you say that because I, those are all things that we were, you know, I was trying to accomplish with the cover and, and that all stems from music, which is like simple. Yeah, they're simple songs, but they're, they're very complex emotionally. I knew the image had to be, and I knew Laura wanted it to be simple. But I also wanted to convey that that kind of like just under the skin complexity of like some of those emotions that you were talking about. This piece has to be bright. It has to be radiant, you know, it, it has to be kind of optimistic, but at the same time, it has to have layers of complexity involved too, which is something I, I kind of look for in all my work where it's i want, I want a viewer to be able to see it and, re, and react to it and to be slowed down a little bit by it. But then I want there to be complexity underneath it that you can kind of enter into once you know, the immediate image hits you. So yeah, and all those things I, I, I heard in the music and I think that nostalgia is something that kind of like goes across all my work, maybe not entirely like maybe without me knowing it <laughs> but yeah i definitely think that those things were involved in, in, in that cover and developing that and I, i think that we ended up on something that was really conveyed what those songs were all about the early versions it went through a couple iterations and, and the early versions were more illustrative i would say or like they were a little bit slicker and we really like paired it we pared it down quite a bit And I think at the time I was maybe a little bit disappointed that, I mean, or I don't know, there was just some, some detail work that I had worked on that got 
parsed out by the time we were done. But it's one of those things where like at the end of the day, like when looking back at it, it's like, this is the appropriate cover for this record. And I think we got the best version of what we did. Yes, you did. I mean, uh, you captured uh, the essence of the American road trip in a record sleeve. Not long before I got asked to do that cover, I was in that region of the country on a road trip of my own. That really informed, I mean, I felt like I, I really knew that landscape pretty well so that was that was also very helpful is the myth of the american road trip still alive is it contemporary or does it only live in uh, the memory of a nostalgic past i think it's alive i think it ought to be yeah i mean there are some parts of this country that you can only traverse via a car yeah america is like a kind of scary giant place especially when you go out to texas or you're, you're like going west, it is like, people are not supposed to live here. <laughs> like it's, it's so- um, Wild. Oh, it's wild and it's just, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's terrifying. It can change very suddenly and, and become like aggressive. Like it, it really puts you back in the mind frame of like, we live in nature and we are like, we can't control it. You know, I live in the Midwest and specifically in Indiana, it's very flat. It's very predictable, but you know, we were out in the Southwest and, and it was just like, you know, it'd be like 110 degrees all of a sudden, and, you know, it'd be like warning signs on the road, like don't use your air conditioning or something. It's just like, wow, nature is scary. <laughs> well, you, so you had these uh, images, these uh, wild landscapes in your mind when you were working uh, on the cover. You had a clear image already. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I had um, taken a trip, like flown out to Santa Fe in New Mexico and drove through Sedona and ended up in Joshua Tree in California. Um, and yeah, that, that trip was a lot of driving and like looking at the sky and looking at the sunset. So yeah. And, and I had touring, I had done some touring um, in like several tours where we'd go to Texas and and play Austin and Dallas. So yeah, I've had some experience like in Texas and driving through Texas and yeah, it's it's beautiful. We discussed the emotional grounding of this cover. Now we have to talk a little bit more about the art influences and the technique behind this artwork. So you mentioned your masters who are Kandinsky, Helen Frankenthaler, Juan Miró. Also yeah. you mentioned Barnett Newman, Bridget Riley, and most importantly, the first tribute homage that I see in the cover of Texas Sun is one to Milton Glaser. Rest in peace. He passed away in June 2020 this year. Am I seeing the right references? Definitely. I mean, Glaser is a huge um, touchstone for all designers. And I specifically have become really enamored with like a few Milton Glaser pieces this year and throughout the past couple of years. That's definitely been a He's been so, he just, there's so much. And he, he did so much, the way he worked with clients and the way he interpreted ideas and found solutions, it's really admirable. And I feel like it's, it's one of the, I can relate to him. I'm, I, I recently, my wife bought me a book for my birthday of Milton Glaser. It's amazing. I think it came out maybe in the seventies or eighties or something. And it just had, has a ton of work. And on one page is, 
the work and then on the other page is like a he, he writes like a paragraph long description of like the commission and like the challenges of the commission and, and and what they ended up with and it's just really inspiring to kind of like see him working through like clients and um like what they need and what they want and what, what works and what doesn't work and yeah i mean with the texas sun cover he was i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna be doing something that is illustrative and flat and designer like it's got to be you know i think Mount glazer has to be considered <laughs> so what i noticed though comparing for instance the texas sun artwork with the um, iconic uh, milton glazer's uh, portrait of uh, bob dylan is that mm -hmm. your lines uh, don't float uh, as uh, freely as uh, his ones I mean, in your artworks, I see more structure, more geometry, more logic. Probably that's part of your uh, minimalist uh, background, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I would say the line work, I'm actually like that Bob Dylan poster is probably one of my least favorite things Milton Glaser ever did. I love New York and the Bob Dylan poster, I think are the weakest <laughs> like things he, he made. The line work that I, I do is, is mainly just copying an Italian, uh, Franco Gargani, do you, are you familiar with him? He made like posters and, and logo marks mainly in the 60s. Um, yeah, but, of course I do, yes. Yeah, he's, he's, so, he's really inspiring to me. And, and that, maybe not that, maybe not Texas Sun, maybe that line work was more Glazer-like, but i would say the line work in Texas Sun came out of responding to the lines of a receding road. Um, so it was more about creating space for color variation and um, color reactions. I knew I wanted like a, to put a lot of colors into it, but I also knew that the you know the palette would be pretty limited at the top half of the of the piece. You know, it would be it would be orange and yellow and blue. So I, I wanted a space where I could get some unnatural colors in that, that would just like pop and really like catch your eye a bit more. So I think that's where that line work came from. But as far as like other line or like wave shapes in my work, it's mainly inspired by Frigo Gagani. And then also, yeah, Bridget O'Reilly is, is the other like, she's mainly my colorways. If I'm like getting challenged on like, what, what colors do I want? I feel like she spent so much time researching and experimenting with color reactions. And like, if you just look through her work, i recently got this retrospective book of all her prints that came out this year. I don't know if you saw that, but it... I saw it uh, live because the exhibition, oh, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. The exhibition was at the Hayward Gallery in London. That's right. Yeah, I got the book that came with the with that exhibition. You don't check out these exhibitions living in Bloomington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just got to be happy with the book. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you're right. I wish I could have seen it. But yeah, that, that book, those prints are just so beautiful. And that the, the, the color, the ways her colors react to each other. I also love how she, she always uses like the best version of whatever color she's using. Like if it's a green, it's like a, it's like a specific green that is like, that's the most beautiful green. You know, and, and, and then there's always like a weird, like a weird magenta type color involved. And in the Texas Sun artwork, like I, I definitely was trying to like 
hit on that where it's like let's do some natural colors and then let's like pop in these kind of unnatural colors i feel like uh, you try to create this uh, harmony between uh, chaos and uh, abundance as well as uh, order and essentialism in your artworks Maybe the colors belong to the more uh, funky part, whereas the shapes and the lines tend to place some order in the composition. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I don't know how like purposeful that all is. I think it just ends up that way. You, if you experiment with something long enough, I think that there's a contrast between structuring compositions in a way that is like really dynamic and, and, and maybe even fluid, and then like trying to make things not feel too stiff, you know? I, and I also think I can see that in my in my in the artists that I like. Like I'm I'm really inspired by Bauhaus, you know, that like style of kind of like like cold structured design. I like that. But then as far as colors go, I definitely have way more like in the psychrome. Like I, I, you know, enjoy 60s and 70s color tones and palettes. So I think I sometimes combine those things in my work. And you mentioned the 60s and 70s, and you are basically anticipating my next question. Do you feel like we are currently experiencing a second summer of love? The references to escapism culture are everywhere. Music is going in that direction too. Does your creative output fit this sound and visual psychedelic wave made of trippy synths, acid guitar riffs, warped and twist typefaces, dreamy gradients, hallucinating airbrush interventions, and so on? I think that we're living in a world right now where people want to imagine a different one. And in that sense, I think it is similar to like uh, 1968. It might be a bit gloomier than that, though. I think I think right now people are trying to escape. I think surrealism is back on the rise because our world is so surreal and strange all the time. I think people are realizing that maybe one of the only things they can live for is pleasure and um, enjoying themselves. Because to be frank, it's kind of like environmental and climate change, like feels something that we aren't going to be able to work out. So sometimes I, I think that, I think when we see these trends in, in like culture, I see it as like, people are just trying to feel something good. <laughs> and, you know, in, in the 60s and 70s, it was more like, let's imagine a better world. And I think there's a little bit of that going on. But I, I also think that it's mostly, let's try to get as much pleasure as we can out of this moment because it's not going to last very much longer. <laughs> Do you think you are giving a visual contribution to this um, hedonistic uh, escapist movement? I feel like personally, I really, really enjoy making images and it makes me feel good to um, see colors together and to find a good typeface. It just gives me pleasure. So it gives me some relief. So I think in that sense, yeah. And I, I think that maybe other people feel that way about my work too. So I think that we are going a full circle because uh, relief, <laughs> hope, pleasure, but also that layer, very, very thin layer of uh, sorrow, blues and nostalgia. That's exactly yeah. what I feel by looking at the Texas Sun cover. Oh, amazing. So, yes, it is a product of our times, isn't it? I think so, yeah. And then I hope that that cover feels contemporary. I feel this way about all my work. I, I hope it doesn't feel it's meant to be for another time. I hope that it feels like it's meant to say something about 
now. I think it does feel very contemporary. And that's why we're talking about it in an episode of uh, Cinescita. Since we discussed extensively about your background, your creative process working on uh, Kruang Beans uh, Texas Sun cover, and all the visual details, uh, the idea behind it, the use of colors. So I think that we have uh, all the information uh, we were looking for. Now it's time to stay contemporary, introducing our first column, Word on the Street. Word on the Street. I would like you to talk about uh, a specific uh, artist, possibly a musician, you would like to collaborate with, and maybe a visual artist you look uh, up to these days. Yeah, I think, you know, this ties back into what we were talking about before, but I think the person who I'd like to collaborate with the most, I think I'd really, I really want to do a poster for Bob Dylan. I would love it to speak to the Glazer piece. Yeah, one time a few years ago when I was like doing a lot of posters, just beginning, my, my friend Aaron asked me, if you could do a poster for anyone, who would it be? And that just kind of came out and we were both surprised by it. So I'm just kind of stuck with that. So I'm trying to put that out in the world, like, you know, maybe before he dies. It'd be amazing to do a poster for Bob Dylan. <laughs> and then like a contemporary band that I really like that I'd like to, I think that we would, I think we would do really well together is that band Haim. They released an amazing album this year. Yeah. Women, Women in music. music. Yeah, it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. It's one of my favorite records of the year. And I just, I feel like uh, I could, I think I could nail their vibe. <laughs> so yes, I love uh, Haim too. But let's spend one minute more on Bob Dylan. Okay. What do you love about Bob Dylan? Today's world, you know everything about everyone. And actually it's like Bob Dylan is the most docu- maybe one of the most like documented people ever, yet he still retains this sense of mystery that I think is just like wonderful. I think it's super pleasurable to like just not know about a person. And I I feel like no one really knows about Bob Dylan. Like right now, no one really knows him. And then also, I mean, that Rough and Rowdy Ways record he put out this year is beautiful. And, you know, it's inspiring to see someone doing something well and important for their the entirety of their life. So let's hope to see you collaborate with uh, Bob Dylan first and then Haim. Yeah, yeah. When, when, Bob Dylan, when Bob Dylan is listening to this podcast, I just want to say, <laughs> any visual artist you love? As of late, I've been really into this guy Richard A. Chance. He's an illustrator. He's been doing a lot of work for like you know editorials, and I think he did some stuff for Apple and things. But you can check out his work. It's kind of like a digital airbrush thing, but in a way that is um, pretty unique and feels like really expressive and fast doesn't feel like meticulous like most of that stuff is, which I love that stuff too, but it just feels like pretty free in a way that like, I don't really know how he's doing it. And when he posts things on Instagram, he'll also write a paragraph or two just like off, off, off the top of his head, it seems like, of just like something that's going on or like how he's feeling. And they're really like funny and sometimes like um, poignant in a way. And I just, I think the experience of following him on the internet is fun. <laughs> 
don't worry about uh, writing his name down because we will be sharing Aaron's uh, influences and sources of inspiration on our Instagram page, synesthesia underscore podcast. So go and check it out. Oh, Enrico, can I also, can I do a second one? Yes, of course you can. I, re- I follow this painter named Dennis Foster, who I think is really good. He does like pretty simple shapes and abstract paintings and they're very beautiful. I enjoy, I enjoy following his work too. Now we have to go back in time again for the second column of our show, Private Collection. Private Collection. You pick one record sleeve or music video that has changed your life. I picked Pink Moon by Nick Drake, which is um, a painting by Michael Trevethick. It's an iconic record sleeve. And I think most people, I mean, in the world of music know it. I like that it's for a record that doesn't necessarily like sound like what that looks like. It's cool. It's like this surreal, complex, emotive image paired with this pretty like simple folk music that also has like a depth of feeling. But almost done. We have our very last column, flavors. Flavors. You're gonna recommend us one Instagram page that you love. It doesn't need to be artsy really, whatever you like and one local spot or venue where you live. So um, either Indianapolis or Bloomington, somewhere that our listeners can check out if they happen to be in your hands. I love, there's a video store in our town called Vulture Video. Um, This guy runs it named Dave Walter, who's just like a real character in town. He does like all the, um, (laughs) he does like all the karaoke nights in Bloomington, which karaoke is like a huge thing in Bloomington as it is everywhere. But yeah, he, so he's got a, he's got a a video shop called Vulture Video and he's a real collector. And he just, the, the, the shop is amazing. It's got insane amount of like VHS movies and like really beautiful, like old packaging for things and, and stuff like that. Rarities, gems. Yeah, and absolutely. And he, since quarantine, has he's been doing these, what he calls Vulture Video Hours um, on his Instagram account. And he'll just um, go live and talk about new things that he got in the shop. And like, he's such a fan. And it's so cool to watch him be a fan. Like, I, I think... I think fandom is really interesting and like just watching him explain why he loves things and like showing you video clips it's it's been like a real touchstone of this year for me so that's that's my recommended Instagram account Vulture Video. So Aaron it was uh, my pleasure to have you as a guest and to talk about uh, one of my favorite uh, records live of the year. Oh this is so fun Enrico thank you for asking me I had a really great time. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person uh, either in uh, London or New York, LA or Bloomington, Indiana hopefully. Yeah yeah let's hang out. See you later. You just listened to Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Subscribe to our channel and follow us on Instagram at synesthesia underscore podcast.